Hello listeners, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, What you're about to hear is a little bonus content. Last year in January 2020, the uh, pastor at the church I was at at the time uh, when we lived in Oregon asked me to preach in a series that we were doing uh, based on a 21-day fast with the book Pursuit. And it was a series of devotionals that went day by day. And he asked me to pick a day and to write a message on it and speak during the series. And so I picked the, the devotion on uh, the veil being torn, right? The veil in the temple when it's torn, when Jesus is crucified. And um, I've always been just pretty mesmerized and drawn into that event. And it never, um, I don't think it should ever stop being the moment that we realize that we can be with and we can be in the presence of the Lord forever. So the following message is when I preached, it was uh, February 3rd, uh, Super Bowl Sunday in 2020. And um, I hope you enjoy and thanks so much for joining us. So, Hi, I'm Miranda. <laughs> uh, my husband and I have been coming to Gracegate for a little over three years now. His name's Jim. He usually sits in the back. If you guys want to meet him, he'll love it. Um, (laughs) And uh, um, something Pastor Cody says a lot when he's up here is if um, I haven't met you yet, I'd love to meet you. And I feel the same way. I recently joined a greeting team a couple months ago, and I'm embarrassed that I really don't know that many people here anymore. So I would love for that to change. I'd love to meet you. And... um, I'm really grateful for this fast that we've been in, for this pursuit series and this fast. Um, In the beginning of January, I know a few other people in the church that I talked to and myself, we were looking for an intense devotion that we could do to kind of start the year off right, to really pursue the Lord. And I started looking around on Amazon, that was the only place I knew to look, and I could not find anything that I felt would be challenging. I wanted to be challenged and show up at church and find out about our pursuit series. And I'd love to encourage anyone that if you haven't started it yet or you did start it a couple weeks ago and you stopped to join back in. It's never too late. This is totally worth your time. It's totally worth um, even a couple days if that's all you can manage to be in this process with us as a church. Um, I would really recommend it. And um, so yeah, Cody asked me to consider speaking in this series. So I had just gotten the book and I skimmed through every chapter and I read a few that stuck out to me and some of them I reread in trying to decide and trying to kind of hear the Lord about where to speak. And where I landed was in chapter 12, which is praying from a platform of victory. And the part where it talks about the veil and when the veil is torn, when Jesus dies on the cross, For most of my life, I've been intrigued with this. I've been fascinated. I've been drawn by this event that happened, by this thing that the Lord did that no one could stop. And so I really felt the Lord on this um, to study and to pray and to really hear him more about it. Um, For me, the presence of God is, is why I'm in this. It's why I'm in this Christian life. It's It's why we're all in this. We just want to know the Lord more. And so um, I just, I hope this message blesses you and let's pray. (laughs) We've done a lot of praying this morning, which is great. (laughs) So Lord, we thank you for today. 
Lord, we thank you um, that you're here. We thank you, Lord, that we not only have a standing invitation, we have an open door into your presence at all times. We are welcome to be with you. We are welcome to know you more and to be known by you. And Father, I ask that you touch and you bless every heart in this room today, that you lift that veil, that you lift off ideas, Lord, that we're not allowed to be with you, that you even confront those things in me today, Lord. I ask, Lord, that we would hear from you. I ask that we would discover new things about you and your love for us today. In Jesus' name. So I'm gonna go ahead and read that quote that gripped me. It's in chapter 12, the Praying from a Platform of Victory. It's a, uh, Dave Patterson, the author, writes, historians will tell you that the veil was a curtain of woven material 30 feet wide by 30 feet high and around four inches thick. Josephus, a biblical historian from the first century, reported that the veil was four inches thick and that horses tied to each side could not pull it apart. Yet when Jesus said, it is finished, the veil was ripped from top to bottom by the very hands of God, allowing all of us complete and permanent entrance into the very presence of God. The veil was not torn so that a few select people could get into the presence. The veil was destroyed so that the presence of God would be released into the world through his church. The work of the cross solidifies your standing invitation to meet God face to face, to have full access to his heart and thoughts and live in perpetual state of friendship with God and dominance over your enemies. I'm really excited by that quote. I still am, I read it, and I think perpetual state of friendship with God. That's what we're invited into. That's what he's opened up for us. And if we take it back to the beginning in Genesis, we see the Lord set a pattern for how he wanted to be with his people. We see him, he makes Adam and Eve, man and woman, and he walks with them. He dwells with them in the garden. This is what he wants for us. This was him saying from the beginning, this is my desire, this is what I want with my people. And then Adam and Eve chose a different way. They chose their own way instead of the Lord. And that's how sin entered humanity and entered the world and they had to leave the garden. And after that, we see the institution of the tabernacle and the temple. And so where we once, where they could once dwell in the presence of God, there was no separation. They could see his face, they could talk with him, they could hear his voice. There's now sin in the world and there's a bit of a separation between us and the presence of God. And now we have to have sacrifices and atonements for sin to be able to be with him. But like like this quote says and like the word says in Matthew 27 verse 50 and 51, When Jesus died on the cross, that veil, which was the separation between us and his presence, was ripped, it was destroyed. And we see that the Lord wants to change everything back in a way to where we can dwell with him permanently. We have permanent entrance, permanent access, permanent allowance to be with him. And imagine how that would change everything if we really lived like that now if we really lived, like there's no barrier between us and God. There's nothing between us, there's no restrictions, there's no requirements on us other than to accept and believe the Lord and what he says of us and what he says to us and what he's made available. So as we imagine what that's like, what that might be like, what the Lord has for us, 
The first scripture we're going to look at is Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. And if you don't have a Bible, the scriptures will appear on the screen behind me, or there's some in the seat backs or around you. You could probably share it with someone. Something that um, I do is I'll even just Google the verse, which will appear behind you, and it'll literally open up a web page where you can just read along. So it's very accessible. So, <laughs> so Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So our first look at what life beyond the veil is like, what life without that restriction from his presence is like, is that we can come with confidence to the throne of grace. Now what the audience for this Hebrews passage understood, they understood the way that the temple worked. They understood what life had been like between the garden and Jesus coming and dying on the cross. So the temple was set up with the outer court on the outside, right? Where you've got, um, where, you've got where you uh, get ceremonially, ceremonially clean, and then you've got the temple which is separated in two rooms. And the first room is the holy place, which had the furnishings of the temple, things like the table of showbread. On this table, there was bread that was, um, had a specific recipe, it had to be made, it had to be made once a week, and it was set before the presence of the Lord in the holy place. And then you also had the lamp that was filled with oil and was lit, and had to, all these things had to be done in different rituals and requirements, daily, weekly, and monthly, and the priests were allowed in to do those things. And so the audience who heard this verse about let let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, they were familiar with all of this. They were familiar with these requirements. They were familiar with the procedures and how things had to be done in a certain way. And also in the temple you had the veil, the four inch thick veil, which separated the holy place where priests would move about and perform their duties from the most holy place, or the holy of holies. And that place had the Ark of the Covenant, which is the very presence of God. That contained symbols for the people of Israel that were uh, symbols of what God had done for, him, done for them, his provision, his presence, his, even more of his rules about how to live with him. And above the Ark of the Covenant was the lid, or the mercy seat. And this is where the high priest, once a year, was allowed to come in and sprinkle blood for the sacrifice to make atonement for sins. Now, the holy place was only seen once a year by the high priest. That's surprising to me. I had to study a lot for this, and I didn't even know that, and I find that really surprising. He had an entire day where he had to go through ritual cleansings. He had to wear certain clothing even, special linen garments, and he had to perform certain ceremonies, certain uh, rituals to go past the veil into the very presence of God. And when he was there, he had to sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat in a specific way to make atonement for sins so that he could be in the presence of God and so that the presence of God could continue to be with the people of Israel. Now imagine the, the fear, the vulnerability 
the, um, the pressure of having to perform so perfectly, having to take care of things so well. In fact, the high priest actually had a rope tied around his ankle when he would go through the veil into the Holy of Holies. And if he performed that ritual inaccurately, he would die, and the priest would have to pull him back out. So imagine, that's what life was like between the garden and when Jesus comes and dies on the cross. So just that fear and that vulnerability, right? I feel like I can relate sometimes. But then in Matthew 27, verse 50 to 51, and Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook and the rocks split. So that's, that's an act that no man can stop. Remember we read in this book, Josephus reported, Josephus the historian reported, that horses tied to each side of the veil could not separate this thing, they could not destroy it. And when Jesus dies and yields up his spirit, that veil is ripped from top to bottom. The priests can't reach it, they can't touch it. It's an act of God and he, he rips it from top to bottom. This barrier between us and the very presence of God, who he is, knowing him face to face, hearing his voice, knowing him as a friend, that barrier is gone. Now, imagine you're one of the priests who's only allowed in the holy place to work with the furnishings and to perform the rituals and the requirements. And all of a sudden, there's this, I mean, a four-inch thick veil is not going to rip delicately. It's not going to be something that you can ignore or wonder, did I, did I hear something? And maybe you didn't hear something. It's, it, the earth shook and the, a four-inch thick veil ripped. It's going to be unavoidable. You can't ignore it. It's going to change everything. So imagine that. Imagine this thing that you can't stop. It's just happened and it changes everything. I remember um, one time Jim and I were house sitting for my parents and uh, the, we hear a big loud bang in the basement. We were upstairs. And uh, you know how some houses make noises and you're kind of like, oh, maybe that's just the house noise. So we kind of paused and just kind of waited a minute and tried to you know, kind of hope it wasn't anything serious, like maybe this will pass and it's fine. <laughs> but we, we go downstairs and the basement's flooding. What had happened was the water heater had exploded in one spot. And so we're watching my parents' house and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, what did we do? Did we ruin their house? Did we ruin the water heater? Did we do something in a way that caused this? Did I ruin everything? And so imagine if you're the priest in the holy place and this loud sound has happened, something that stood for all of your life and you were trained and how to take care of and trained and how to respect and you're trained, I'm not allowed back there. All of a sudden this, there's this event and the earth's shaking and it's ripped open. I mean, you, I, I was scared when what happened to my parents in my parents' house, I was scared. I was nervous, I was like, what is going on? Am I in trouble? But I wonder if there was also a bit of curiosity for them. To cur- curiosity, like what does this mean? Or what can this mean? And in light of that, in light of the veil ripping from top to bottom, it kind of puts the language of Hebrews 14, Hebrews 4 verse 4, 16, in a little bit different frame, right? It says, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. So this place that they weren't allowed access, 
is now, we're now being encouraged with confidence, come with confidence. The word confidence here in this verse is actually uh, to boldly or bluntly speak with freedom of speech. So imagine you're now allowed to come before the Lord and say everything you have to say to get his help, to ask for his help, to say everything you have to say to your God, to your Father, and you're allowed to say it. And he will give you help. You, have, you can have the assurance of receiving that help that you're coming for, to live this life beyond the veil, to live this life in his presence. So what Jesus did on the cross is he allowed us, he made it so that we are identified with him, we're identified with the Son of God, and we can come before the throne of grace, we can come past the veil into the presence of God, and it's our home now. I was, I'm my parents' kid, I went into their home as though it's my home. And we're now identified with Jesus, with the Son, and we can come before the Lord because it's our place to be with him. He has accomplished that for us. But then I wonder how many of us still have rituals and requirements that we've created or that have been put on us that convince us we're not allowed access to the Lord, we're not allowed access to his presence. Do we have any of those ideas, any of those requirements on us, any of those ways of thinking that convince us we're not allowed in there where he is? We're not allowed into where it's meant to be our home. And for some, it might be a performance mentality. Well, I haven't done such and such right. I haven't been impressive. I haven't uh, gotten my list taken care of and done everything well enough. I know for me, I I sometimes struggle with uh, if I haven't taken care of my to-do list or my home isn't taken care of or I'm letting down friends and family and not following up with them, I can start to feel like I'm irresponsible or I'm unfaithful. Things that sound good, right? They sound, well, I'm not being responsible enough. I need to work on that. I need to be more faithful with my friends and family. And it sounds good, right? It sounds like something maybe the Lord would put on me but the Lord hasn't put that on me. He's removed every barrier and we can come confidently before the Lord and ask for help and have the assurance that he'll help us with those things. And so it's kind of like we're struggling to enter the presence of God when that's already been open to us. It's already been put in us, right? I found that when I ignore those ideas, when I ignore those rituals and requirements and those thoughts and ideas that have been put on me or that I've created for myself, and I draw near to the Lord anyway, even thinking maybe I'm wrong, even thinking maybe I'm not allowed, and I just take him at his word to come confidently, I find that those barriers that I thought were holding me back are actually not powerful at all to hold me back from God. They're not powerful at all to hold me back from his love, from his pleasure, from his enjoyment. He's done all of this because he enjoys us. He's created this whole thing. He sent his son to the cross, he died on the cross, he ripped the veil and removed the barrier because he enjoys us and wants to be with us. He wants fellowship, he wants communion, he wants to talk with us, he wants us to know him, and he wants us, he wants us to know that, he, 
that he wants to know us and that we'll be fully accepted, fully loved, fully welcomed in through his son. So we had the garden, right, where, where God walked and he dwelled with, with Adam and Eve and they knew what it was like to hear him in the cool of the day. They knew what it was like to hear his voice and to see his face and to understand his heart and to understand how he feels and they, they were known by him as well. And then sin entered the world and we have the establishment of the temple with the four inch thick veil, right? And there's, and there's a, there's, a restriction on the access of God, on the access of his presence. But then Jesus goes to the cross and he dies, and the veil is torn. And what he did with that, why we're allowed access, is because when he died on the cross, he reconciled us. Second uh, Corinthians 5 verse 18. All of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Now, reconciled here means that the Lord restored our relationship from formerly enemies of God, where we needed the blood of animals to atone for sin, to be able to know him. He restored us from enemies of God into friends of God. You know how they say that you can't pick your family, but you can choose your friends. So we've been chosen by the Lord, and we get to choose him back. And with that comes the favor of a friend. So imagine if you have a really close friend, you've done a lot of work to have an intimate friendship, an open and honest friendship. There is vulnerability you will extend to that person, right? You will trust that person and they'll trust you back. They'll be honest with you and there's enjoyment and fellowship and it's really fruitful. I mean, I have a couple of really close friends and I love it, the work is completely worth it and there is favor. When I come to those friends, I know that they will choose to hear me. I know that they'll choose to help me. And so that's what the Lord's done in reconciliation. It's restored us from enemies to the friends of God with that favor. And he did that because he went to the cross, he shed his blood, he was the innocent, sacrifice once and for all, like Hebrews 9 and 11 and 12 say, once and for all, he's the permanent sacrifice. There's nothing holding us back. We are reconciled. In fact, uh, Romans 8.38 says, um, and when it's talking about that nothing can separate us from the love of God, it says neither things present nor things to come. So this is not just present state, it's future, it's forever, it's never going to be moved off of us. We have this reconciliation with the Lord and we are friends of God, we're made friends of his. And he also cleansed us by this act of going to the cross. So Hebrews 9, oh, nope, Hebrews 10, 19 through 22. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh, and since then we have a great priest over the house of God, great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Now, the language here is very similar to the language of Leviticus 16, which is the chapter in Leviticus that talks about the Day of Atonement, the one day that the, holy, that the high priest could go into the Holy of Holies. And so the high priest had to sprinkle the blood over the top of the Ark of the Covenant, right, to atone for sins. 
And here we're seeing that the Lord, through his death on the cross, has done this for us. He sprinkled our hearts clean. And like how the high priest had to take several baths that day to be able to go into the presence, we've been washed with pure water. So we basically, he basically accomplished for us that we have gone through the process that the high priest went through to go past the veil and to dwell in the presence of God. So he's reconciled us and made us friends and he's cleansed us and we are allowed to dwell with him. We are made ready to be in the presence of God. And this is where we start. This is our starting place. We don't have to work up to it. There's no rituals or requirements just to believe that this is what the Lord has accomplished for us. And we start from there. We start as friends. We start as cleansed. And we get to live and be in the presence of God. Past that presence, in the presence of God, for me, I know that... um, when I have experienced the Lord, Lord's presence and when I have experienced his delight and his favor, I know that I'm loved. I know that I'm safe. That's a big one, I think, for a lot of us is there's this knowledge that when we start from that place and we trust the Lord and we come into his presence, that we're safe, that we're accepted, that we're known and loved and wanted there. He's done all this because he's chosen us and wants us to choose him back. And we're wanted in his presence. And so if we are the temple of God now, we're we're the temple of God now, right? That's what we are. That's what he's made us. He's made us friends. He's made us clean. And he's come to be in us. And we are the temple of God. I wonder if sometimes, I know for me, that it's like I've put the veil back up. I've hung it back up. I've chosen to not trust the Lord. I've chosen to think, well, I've got these ideas, I've got these rituals and requirements and I need to fulfill these things and then I can come before the Lord. Then I can ask for the help I need. Then I can be heard. But if we're the temple of God and he's come and he's made a way and he ripped that veil, it's gone, it's destroyed. Has it ripped in our hearts? Has it been torn down and destroyed in our hearts? Do we really believe that he wants us with him and there's nothing in the way? I feel like all through the scriptures, from the Garden of Eden all the way to now, really, but all the way to when Jesus walked the earth, God is coming to a people that he chose and wanting to be chosen by them. And... um, when Jesus walks the earth with the Israelites, they're the ones who send him to the cross and they did not choose him. And I know a lot of us have this idea that God always gets his way, that God always gets what he wants to have happen, but I don't think that he wanted to be rejected. I think that when he came to Adam and Eve, I think that when he continued to come to the Israelites and take care of them and want to be loved and worshiped and chosen by them, and I think when Jesus walked the earth, that he wanted to be chosen by the people that he came to. And I know a lot of times I'll trust the Lord with my life, but I won't trust him with my heart. I won't choose him back. I won't let him take care of me. 
Like, the, like with this fast, I'm fasting chocolate and a couple other things, and you know, I'll trust those things more than I trust the Lord to comfort me, to take care of me, to soothe me in a moment of stress, to soothe me in a moment of wondering or confusion, and I don't trust the Lord with my heart. I hang the veil back up. I say, no, Lord, there's a barrier. There's a barrier, I can feel it. But when we trust him with our heart, when we come close to him, when we draw close to the Lord, instead of choosing social media, instead of choosing food, instead of choosing a movie or TV or whatever it is that you're fasting from, whatever it is that draws your heart from trusting the Lord, instead of choosing that and instead choosing him, when he comes and he draws, he draws you into maybe a deep moment to go over something, right? Sometimes we wanna go over things with our spouses. I feel like the Lord is the same way. Let's go over this. Let's hear each other's heart on this. Or sometimes when he draws me or draws us into a moment of repentance, if there's something I'm in that might be hurting me or hurting the Lord or hurting someone else, instead of choosing to numb, with whatever else I trust, the, I trust more than I trust the Lord, instead of choosing to numb or to be comforted by something else, but instead choosing him, instead of instead going, okay, Lord, I'm here. Like Jaina talked about last week, having a hearing ear, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. If I choose to go there, and a lot of times for me, it's like, hi, God, okay, I'm here, let's do this. And that might be, You know, every five minutes I might need to say that in a day. Hi, God. Okay, I'm here. I'm listening. Let's do this. Let's talk. Hi, God. I need your help. But if we just go there with the Lord, if we just allow that veil to come down, um, I I know that the Lord will come with that peace. When I've done that, when I've been like, hi, God. Hi, God. I need to spend a moment with you. Hi, God. You're drawing me into this. I feel like I know, I tr- let's trust the Lord that when we do that, when we choose him the way he's choosing us, that he'll come with that peace, that he'll come with that excitement about his presence, excitement about friendship and fellowship with him. And so next time, you know, whether it's later today and we're watching the Super Bowl or it's tomorrow and you're at work or it's sometime when you're in a moment with your kids or with your spouse or with a neighbor and you feel the Lord drawing you or if it's even a quiet moment and you feel the Lord drawing you and maybe it feels intense or maybe it feels uncomfortable. Can I really trust you, Lord, with my heart? Can I really trust you more than this thing that helps distract me from you? And instead, go there. Instead, you know, sometimes I even will take a deep breath or I'll literally shift my mind, even shift my body sometimes away from something. If we choose to go there with the Lord, if we choose him back and let him have his way, right? He wants to have his way. He wants to be chosen by the people that he's come to. There's victory in that. And that's that's where we are welcome and invited to dwell and to have our home in that place of choosing the Lord and having that victory, having that safe place, having that excitement and that peace. And we pray from that and we move from that and we live from that. This is living beyond the veil in the presence of God where we're meant to be. 
And maybe some people, it's been a while since you've really encountered the presence of God, since you've trusted him, since you've taken that step and acknowledged him and been like, hi God, I'm here. Or maybe some haven't done that at all. They don't know what that's like yet to acknowledge the Lord drawing near and say, okay, I'm here. I want you to, Lord, because he wants to be wanted. And so I just want to challenge and encourage us that the next time we feel that pull, the next time we feel that drawing of the Lord that we can't, you know, you sometimes can't explain it. It's just this nudge and you remember the Lord. The next time that happens for us that we would turn and that we would take a deep breath and be, hi God, and choose him back the way he's chosen us and agree with him to be in his presence. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you for today. Lord, we thank you for how good you are. You are good, God. You are a good God. And Lord, I ask that for every person in this room, myself included, Lord, that we would feel your drawing. Lord, that we would feel that confidence rise up to know that we are allowed, that we are welcome, that we are bid come into your presence face to face to spend time with you, to know you more, Lord. Lord, I ask that we would understand that we have been chosen to be the friends of God and to have you as our friend. Lord, I pray that faith would rise in every heart and in every life in this room. That faith would rise. And Lord, that we would know you and we would encounter your presence and we would dwell in your presence like never before, Lord. That, the, that we would engage in the shift, Lord, when you come. And we thank you for this. In Jesus' name. And I just, uh, every week, they say that um, we have altars, the altar open and prayer teams. And if, uh, if there's anything that you need prayer for, or if anything in this message has struck you, and you would like someone to pray with you about encountering the presence of God, or if there's anything that you even want to celebrate and just pray with someone and celebrate what the Lord's done for you. Um, God cares about what you're going through, and so do we here at Gracegate. So we just want to welcome the prayer team and anyone else who needs prayer. In seasons where it seems there is no way through, no way to cope, God has promised to make a way for us in the barren wildernesses of life. We may have known desolate times, but do we know God's view of desolate? Jesus performed two of his greatest miracles in desolate places. It seems, we have misunderstood what desolate means. It seems we have missed all that God can do in a dry place. In this book, Miranda Gollett provides teaching and illustrations from several passages in the Bible that show what God intends for us in desolate and seemingly fruitless times. Part of the Braver Things series, from A Quiet Brilliance Publishing, Desolate Places, Reflections of Hope in Dry Seasons is available in print or on Kindle at Amazon.com.